And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is a good friend, Dr. Al Baker. And Pastor Al, it's great to have you on with us today. Thank you, Dan. It's always good to be a part of your program. I enjoy it every time we're together. (laughs) You're an ordained minister of the gospel, and uh, you've been in the gospel ministry for well over 35 years, I believe. Um, God has given you a heart for evangelism and evangelistic preaching. And um, we have uh, an important day coming up tomorrow. It's the day that Christians celebrate the resurrection of Christ. Um, as you reflect on that, Pastor Al, what, what comes to mind? Well, I think, well, of course, it's, it's, prob- it's the most important day of our year, of, uh, of the Christian year. I mean, obviously, Christmas is vital, the virgin birth of Christ and so forth. But really, the resurrection is, is, is vital because it, it proves that the Scriptures are true. We know that the Bible and the Old Testament repeatedly made prophecies about Jesus, uh, even about his resurrection in Psalm 16 and Psalm 110. And um, <clears throat> so um, it, it proves that the Scriptures are true. And, of course, Jesus told us several times that he would be arrested, that he'd be crucified, that he'd be raised again. And then, uh, and because he was raised again, you know, Romans 4 says that he's raised for our justification. He was delivered over to us for our sins and was raised for our justification. And so it proves that his work of redemption is uh, that he promised actually was fulfilled. And, uh, and for the Christian, of course, that means that uh, our sins are forgiven. They're washed away as far as the east is from the west. Uh, he remembers our sins no more. Uh, he redeems us. He brings us into his kingdom. Um, uh, he, uh, God's wrath <clears throat> is satisfied, uh, what the theologians call propitiation. God's just wrath and condemnation has been satisfied. It was poured out on Christ. You know, in uh, Psalm 22, um, says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Those are the words Jesus used on the cross. Because at that point in time, he was separated from his father uh, because he bore our sins in his body on the cross. And then on top of all that, <clears throat> we have the promise of eternal life um, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And uh, we know Jesus is the first fruits of those who are asleep, according to 1 Corinthians 15. And then I think probably what means the most to me. Uh, is the fact that when Christ returns again, because of his resurrection, we will get a glorified body, similar to what Jesus has. And 1 Corinthians 15 speaks of that in great detail. And I have used that many times in ministering to people um, who have uh, long debilitating illnesses or who have had a child born to them with major birth defects, uh, even as we've had in our own family. And it, it gives them hope because they know that though they have a, a body that's been ravaged by disease or, um, you know, birth defects, whatever, they know that they're going to receive a perfect glorified body when Christ returns. And again, First Corinthians 15 speaks of that in great detail. Uh, wonderful points. 
Um, you mentioned something that's really important. All of it is important, and I noticed that it's just a wash in the scriptures. Uh, all of your comments, and that is um, the idea, the fact that um, Jesus forgives our sins. He washes us clean, and um, people have a have a real. Um, problem I have, you have, unless we're forgiven by Jesus, uh, and these sins are real and they can be forgiven. Can you speak to that just a little bit more? Yeah, I think um, I was off preaching this past weekend um, in St. Louis um, on various college campuses and uh, in various sporting venues and even a high school campus. And one of the things that that, we all know is that um, particularly um, sexual assault is a major issue uh, in our culture. And um, my wife and I have uh, had a lot of uh, ministry opportunities, I guess you'd say, with people who have been sexually assaulted, mainly women. And uh, there's no fault of their own, but these things have happened to them by their fathers or brothers or other people. And they live with a tremendous sense of shame. And so, um, you know, what do we do about that? And in first in Colossians chapter one, <clears throat> Paul says that, and he's speaking to these people who were, you know, the Colossians were, a, were a, a, a wicked, vile group of people. They were pagans involved in all kind of pagan worship and so forth. And he says, um, although you were formally alienated, hostile in mind and engaged in evil deeds, yet he reconciled you to himself through his fleshly body through death, that he might present you before him holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. And that's an astonishing declaration because by Christ's reconciling death, that is, um, his, his death on the cross reconciles us to the Father. We're at enmity with the Father because of our sin. And when Christ died on the cross, and of course, uh, his resurrection proves the validity of what he did on the cross, um, it says that we're holy and blameless and beyond reproach. And holy means that God looks at us now through the finished work of Jesus, his death and his resurrection, and God sees us without sin it means that God sees us without guilt. And when he says above reproach, it means he sees us without shame. And again, you know, in, in Hebrews, it speaks of that he's not ashamed to call us his brethren. And that's an astonishing declaration. Mm. And when, I, when, I, when we're talking with people you know, out on the streets or on these college campuses, if we, we, we realize that many of them are filled with great shame. And, um, you know, we saw a lot of, of lesbian girls over the, la- over the weekend, and, it's, uh, and they, they seem to almost automatically be, before we even say anything to them, very opposed to Christianity. And I think they just know deep down that, that um, what they're doing is wrong. And, and I've always said this, too, that any any person I've known who's who's a homosexual who battles these things has a story, 
there's things that have happened to them. Um, there's various reasons. Now, again, we're all responsible for our sin, but that's what I've noticed. And what we what we can say to them is that, listen, because Jesus died and was raised again, he not only can forgive you, he can give you the power to overcome these things, and he will love you to the end, and he'll never forsake you. And, you know, nowhere else in the world are people going to hear that. No other religion can do that. Certainly Hinduism can't, Buddhism cannot, Islam cannot do that. None of the religions in the world can. Only Christ can do that, and it's proven by his death and his resurrection. Amen. Amen. Our guest today is Dr. Al Baker, and Pastor Baker is an ordained minister of the gospel, and he's very, uh, he works very hard at evangelistic preaching. And Al, you mentioned that over the weekend, even, you were preaching on, on college campuses and even at a high school. Um, how do you get into these places? Do they just uh, open their doors and let you in, or is there some resistance uh, at a high level? Well, what we've learned is that if you're on public property, um, you still have the freedom to to proclaim the gospel. So, for example, we were in, uh, we were at the St. Louis Cardinals game, and at the St. Louis Blues hockey game, and we were on uh, the public sidewalk outside mm-hmm. of these stadiums, and we have uh, these uh, PA systems that are very very loud, and and we can use them, no problem. <laughs> It's uh, pretty amazing. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we just stand there and preach the gospel and hand out gospel tracts and engage people in conversation. The same thing at the college campus. Uh, um, the, the public universities usually have a free speech zone. Sometimes you have to have a permit to get on there with your, with your uh, to speak, and sometimes they'll let you use amplification. Sometimes they won't. Uh, <clears throat> but... Um, Private universities don't have to give you that access. So we were at a private university on the, on uh, earlier this week, and we were stood, standing on a public sidewalk um, right at the intersection where, where kids cross from one part of the campus to the other. No problem. The police are there watching us. No problem at all. And at the high school, we were, again, on a public sidewalk speaking to the kids as they got out of school. Mm-hmm. So we can still do that. Um, in this country. I'm not sure how much longer we'll be able to, but, you know, one of the great benefits is uh, the First Amendment right of freedom of speech. Yes. And so we, uh, we, we try to exercise that. Now, when you're preaching to people in the public like that, um, I assume that you're referencing the Bible, and it's, it's God's Word that does its work, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah, we try to, we try to just preach uh preach christ uh, you know we, we talk about sin of course but um we really try to emphasize the fact that jesus died for sinners and we're all sinners and uh we do we do speak of hell where we warn people that there is a hell but we also speak of the glory of heaven and uh oftentimes i will speak from hebrews chapter 2 where uh, the writer there says uh, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation. Mm. So I'll talk about escape. Escape from what? Well, sin, Satan, death, hell, the lake of fire. How do we, you know, then I'll explain what all that means. And then 
I'll talk about what does it mean to neglect? Well, neglect means you just don't pay any attention to it. You're just kind of going with the flow. You don't really give it much thought. And and then uh, and how do we um, um, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? What's the salvation? And I'll say, well, I could go on for days about this, and I'll explain. You know, <clears throat> what sometimes theologians call the order of salvation, you know, God's calling and God's regenerating work and his justifying work and his adoption into the family of God and his work of sanctification, work of glorification. So we'll just kind of work our way through these these marvelous themes of salvation. And we're we're just lifting up Jesus is what we're doing. And um, I always tell people that open-air preaching, it, it doesn't have the same... I don't think it has the same outward impact it did in the days of George Whitfield. We lived in a time he lived at a time where the, the great awakening of the 18th century, which was an amazing time of the Holy Spirit working in um, Europe and in America, and we don't have that today. It's um, uh, people I've I've discovered people are either uh, apathetic or hostile. Um, and so, and most of them are just apathetic, especially in the South. They're apathetic in the North. Sometimes they're more hostile in certain in certain venues. But um, we're all we're doing is we're sowing the seed of the gospel and and trusting that Lord the Lord will use it. And uh, and and God's always glorified when we exalt Him. Uh, your listeners can exalt Jesus by simply giving out a gospel tract to someone or uh, speaking you know, briefly about their own story, about how they came to know Jesus and, um, you know, giving a word of testimony about Christ's death and resurrection. Uh, that's, that, that's honoring to the Lord when we do that. And we're just getting Jesus into the, into the conversation, as it were. Mm-hmm. And I think it's always, it's always a benefit uh, to us, but more importantly, for the glory of God, just exalting Jesus. We need to get Jesus out there uh, to people. Again, you know, if everybody went to church, then this would not be necessary. It'd be fine, you know? Mm-hmm. But most people don't go to church, and they no. need to hear the Word. That's and right. so we, would, we want to give them the Word as best, as best we can. Yes. Well, this uh, program is being aired one day before Easter, or Resurrection Day. Uh, Pastor Al, some people tell us that it's wrong to call it Easter. Uh, what's your opinion of that? Well, I think it's more traditional. I, I, I think I slip up and call it Easter a good bit myself. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's better to call it the Resurrection Day, Christ's Resurrection Day. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not going to make a big deal about that. I, I no. understand the, the the so-called pagan origins of of the word Easter. I get it, but uh, you know, I don't think it means that to, to most people today. I think most people understand it to be. Whether they whether they're Christians or not, they understand it to be a, a day that Christians observe as the resurrection of Christ. So yes, um, that to me it's not that that big a deal. Just like we're pretty sure that Christ was not born on December twenty fifth, but that's okay. We we, <laughs> we you know we accept that day, so that's fine. Yes, yes. Well, today we're talking with Pastor <laughs> Al Baker, and we started off talking about the resurrection. And Al, you said that resurrection proves the scriptures are true. Um, one of the Old Testament passages is Isaiah 53. Um, that's an important passage, and 
It's helped a lot of Jewish people come to Messiah Jesus, I've heard. Yeah, that's right. Um, many of uh, uh, many of the Jewish people uh, uh, will actually try to to deny that passage. They will they will not uh, read it. It's in some of their uh, scriptures. I'm told. <clears throat> well, I've never noticed it, but I'm told they don't even have it in there because it's so obviously referring to Messiah, mm-hmm. uh, who we know is who we know to be Jesus. Um, so um, it's it, it's an amazing passage because it it is so clearly prophetic um, uh, concerning Christ, but it speaks of his humiliation. You know, he was uh, pierced through for our transgressions; he was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are all healed. So it just speaks about his willingness to <clears throat> give himself up for us and the humility, and you think of um, the Song of Solomon <clears throat> refers to Jesus there uh, as an allusion to the uh, um, to the lily of the valley, and uh, I remember reading a commentator one time who said that the lily of the valley, those are the flowers down in the lowest part of the valley, and, and they give off this fragrant aroma because they're so lowly, <laughs> and, um, you know, and that's Jesus um, who... Um, uh, you know, became, uh, though he was rich, became poor for our sakes, so we might become rich. And so uh, this is, uh, and this is the message that the world needs to, needs to hear. We look and we see so much pain, so much suffering, so much war, and what's going on in Ukraine right now, and what's going on in our, <clears throat> in our major cities in the United States with all the killing that goes on, uh, it seems like, uh, Every weekend, there's just vast numbers of young people who are who are killed, murdered in yes. the streets, and and then we, as I mentioned a moment ago, the um, the sexual assault uh, it's it's rampant in families, and you know a lot of fam- a lot of people don't even see it. I mean, I look back to many many years ago when I was in high school, and now I'm finding out there were all kind of people we knew whether their father was an alcoholic and he beat the mother and. You know, the father molested the, the daughters. I mean, I didn't know any of that at the time. And it's, it's, and you know, there's this kind of stuff doesn't know boundaries like, well, it's always a certain type of person. No, it's rich, poor, educated, uneducated, black, white, it doesn't matter. It's everywhere, it's in every culture. And uh, <clears throat> so this is why people need Christ. Not only those who are, victims of this sort of thing, but also those who have the perpetrators of it. They need to be set free from their sin, and um, and only Christ can do that. And uh, You know, I was preaching the other day uh, in a church on one of my favorite passages, Mark chapter 5, the Gerasene demoniac, and uh, it's just a powerful passage about Jesus and his, and his authority over the devil and the devil's uh, minions. And uh, I'm sure your listeners know that story very well or have read it. And it's a powerful, it's so vividly portrayed by Mark of the man, you know, he's he's got chains hanging off of him, uh, shackles. Uh, we know later in the passage he's naked. He's yelling at the top of his voice. He's living amongst the tombs. He has a legion of uh, demons in him and a, 
A Roman legion at that time was 5,600 soldiers and 300 horsemen. And uh, <clears throat> so Jesus cast these demons into the pigs, and 2,000 of them run down the hill and were drowned. And, it's just, and then the guy wants to go with Jesus, and Jesus says, no, you go back to your people, and you tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and he ha- how he had mercy on you. And he went through the capitals, which was called the Ten Cities of that era. It was a vast area that was very Gentile. And this man, who is just a new believer, goes through, and he's preaching, and he's got one message. This is what I was like, and now I'm different. You need Jesus, too. And it's, this, is the, this is the message that we need in our world today. And this is the message that resonates with so many people who are followers of Jesus, who've been set free from these things because of Christ's death and his resurrection. Yes. Oh, yes. Um, Many of us, probably all of us listening, have lost a loved one or a friend, maybe a parent. Um, Both of my parents are in heaven now, in the presence of the Lord. Um, Their spirit is. And yet there's still coming a, uh, a resurrection. Um, can you tell us what's to come in the future for the child of God? Oh, I, got, I, could, I could go on and tell that story <clears throat> in many, many different ways. But um, <laughs> let me just tell you one really amazing story. Um, I, I met a guy named Ronnie when we were in high school years ago, and we were big buddies. And I became a Christian, and I was able to lead him to faith in Christ. And we were friends for 50 years, and about four or five years ago, um, he had a he uh, had an inoperable brain tumor, mm. and he was given given two years to live. And I saw him uh, in Memorial Day weekend, 2017. He was, you know, pretty good shape. Well, about two months later, his wife called me and said, uh, "Al, he's near the end. You might want to come see him." I said, mm. "Absolutely." So I went over to see Ronnie, and he was in hospice care. He was in a coma. And uh, <clears throat> I began to, uh, I knew that the last thing that, that people in the coma lose is their hearing, so I knew he could hear me. And so I looked at Ronnie, and he was, again, his eyes were closed. He was in the coma, and I said, Ronnie, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. The trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. The perishable must put on the imperishable, and the mortal must put on immortality. When the perishable will put on the imperishable, and mortal will put on immortality, then will come about the things that are written. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy victory? O grave, where is thy sting? So I'm quoting this passage mm. to him, and my son's watching this. My son was a, was a very good friend of his, too. While I'm quoting 1 Corinthians 15, Ronnie's eyes open, <laughs> and he lifts his hands up off the bed. As I as I jokingly say to people, Ronnie was a Presbyterian elder, so his hands did not go above his head, <laughs> <laughs> but they did come up off the bed. Uh, and the next day, he was in the presence of the Lord. Uh, so he will get so to be. Absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. So his soul is with Jesus, and one day he's going to get a perfect glorified body, and he'll live with Jesus on the new heaven and that new earth. And that's the great hope that we have. 
you know, again, First Corinthians 15 speaks of the fact that uh, Jesus is the first fruits of those who are asleep. For by a man came death, and by a man came the resurrection from the dead. So he's talking Amen. about Adam, and he's talking about Jesus. Amen. Uh, that's a beautiful way to close our thoughts today. Our guest has been my friend, Pastor Al Baker. And Pastor Al, um, tell us really quick about Reformed Evangelistic Fellowship and how people can learn more. Yeah, Reformed Evangelistic Fellowship is an organization of uh, evangelists around the country, uh, the United States, but also we have a number of evangelists around the world. It's an organization that um, really helps men uh, who, uh, and we have some women who are street evangelists as well, um, to, um, it just helps them uh, get the sponsoring that they need uh, to be full-time evangelists, uh, preach out on the street, preach in churches or wherever they might be. We have a lot of open-air preachers. We have a lot of one-on-one evangelists with uh, REF. It's an organization that was started in the 1950s by uh, a man named Bill Hill, who was a powerful, powerful preaching evangelist. And um, over the years, has kind of transformed from from strictly preaching evangelistic meet, meetings in churches to more open-air preaching or, um, you know, world evangelization, you know, going to different countries and preaching and one-on-one evangelism. But if you want to know more about it, then they can go to refglobal.org, refglobal.org, and find information. And we're always looking for people whom God's called to be evangelists. And uh, if they have a calling to be an evangelist, then uh, we want to help them get there. So mm. it's, uh, it's a wonderful organization. Ah, beautiful. Well, thank you, Pastor Al, for joining us today. And it's not mm-hmm. easy just uh, saying, oh, no, there he is. He's calling me to, to take up all this time and, and interview. But it's so worthwhile, and so many people are blessed. So thank you, Pastor Al Baker, for your time today. Great to be with you, Dan, as always, and God bless you, and we hope you all have a great day tomorrow. Yeah, you too. And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.